0: So this week we begin a new sermon series, Living Lent. We've entered into the season of Lent. This is the 40 days prior to Easter. And it was great to see so many of you stop by for ashes at our drive-through option on Ash Wednesday, the day that marks its beginning. Lent is a season of repentance, it's of reflection and renewal. And as we enter into it we try taking up new spiritual disciplines and giving up things that can become idols in our lives, dealing with the temptations that we're most susceptible and most susceptible to give into. Reminds me of the story of four church pastors who were friends and decided to get away and spend a couple of days in the mountains in a cabin. And in an effort to hold each other accountable in their faith and to know how to pray for each other, they decided that they would share their biggest temptations with one another. Well, the first pastor said, well, it's kind of embarrassing, but my biggest temptation is lust. Once I even bought a copy of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Oh, my temptation is worse, said the second pastor. It's gambling. One Saturday, instead of preparing my sermon, I went to the racetrack and I bet on the ponies. Well, mine is worse still, said the third church pastor. I sometimes can't control the urge to drink. One time I actually broke into the communion wine. Well, the fourth pastor was quiet for a moment. And then finally, he responded very slowly. Well, brothers, I hate to say this, but my temptation is worst of all. I can't stop gossiping. And if they excuse me, I just have to go and make a few phone calls. (laughs) How do you handle the temptation or the temptations that come your way? You know, when you're tempted to go to that web page again, or to be passive-aggressive again, or when you're tempted to cheat on your spouse, or tempted to lie again, tempted to be honest about your taxes, tempted to unrighteous anger, tempted to speed, tempted to overspend, tempted to be unkind, or of course tempted to share that juicy piece of gossip that you just heard. Today is what some people call Temptation Sunday, so-called because it's the first Sunday in Lent, and it's the Sunday when in the church lectionary across all the different denominations, that's the, the calendar of scripture readings that churches use each year, they give us one of the three gospel accounts of the temptation of Jesus every year. And not uncharacteristically for Mark, his account is by far the briefest. Just two verses, in fact, verses 12 and 13 says this, At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Now, whereas Matthew and Luke give us blow-by-blow accounts of what happens in this temptation of Jesus, Mark just gives us the bare bones of when and where and who's there. So it's immediately after Jesus' baptism, it's in the wilderness, and Satan's tempting him, and there are wild animals there, and there are angels attending him as well. It's not a lot, is it? But it's enough to know that temptation by the devil is real, even for the Son of God, And it will be faced by every human being, but is not faced alone. And as we saw in our passage from James today, there's a reward for those who resist temptations. Look at James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The question, though, is how do we face temptation? How do we defeat temptation or the work of the evil one? Well, today I want to suggest that temptation is only defeated when we recognize who we are and whose we are, and then we respond accordingly. So let's turn to our scripture readings for today and see what we can learn. And the first thing we learn about defeating temptation is the need to be loved. Be loved. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, I mean, be who God created you to be. One of the answers to conquering temptation lies in living into our identity as God's beloved or beloved. Remember the words Jesus heard just before being led into the wilderness to face temptation. Mark chapter one, verse 11, our gospel reading. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus is beloved. He is God's beloved. This affirmation is critical to understanding how Jesus successfully navigates temptation. And it's critical to allow ourselves to be loved in this way too. The Bible scholar David Luce writes, when push comes to shove, All the various temptations we may encounter stem from the primary temptation to forget whose we are and therefore to forget who we are. Because once we fail to remember that we are God's beloved, we will do all kinds of things to dispel the insecurity that is part of every human life and to find that sense of security and acceptance that is essential to being happy. Giving into temptation often follows insecurity think of the serpent in the garden of eden and playing on adam and eve's insecurity sowing mistrust of god did he really say and quickly they give in in fact you might say we're not so much victims of original sin as original insecurity whether it's infidelity or greed or pride or envy it's easy to recognize these as responses to our insecurity What do i mean by this well these sins are all attempts to secure our identity on our own rather than simply claiming our identity as beloved children of god and we see in matthew and luke's longer accounts of the temptation the wilderness that jesus refutes the devil's attempts to sow mistrust by repeatedly reaffirming his relationship with god worship the lord your god and serve only him he says There are so many temptations in this world, aren't there? Most of them, though, come not as fruit hanging from a tree, but rather subtle messages that seek to undermine our identity and invite us to forget whose we are. There are so many commercials that suggest that we are inadequate. So many headlines suggest that there's just not enough to go around. And so many politicians suggest that we have a great deal to fear. In the face of these identity-obscuring messages, we have the opportunity to root ourselves in the same baptismal promise that safeguarded and empowered Jesus. This is the baptismal promise that reminds us we are more than enough in God's eyes and there's plenty to go around and that we need not live in fear. So friends, remember who you are and whose you are. Perhaps it would help to repeat these words after me. I am loved by God. God. His precious child. child. Chosen and marked by him. him. Delight of God's life. life. Just Just as I am. And that's enough. Now, if you found those words hard to say or just didn't say them, I understand. It's a hard thing to believe, isn't it? That you are beloved by God himself as you are. But that's the truth, friends. I encourage you to go home to reflect on those words this week. If that's all you do this week, remember that you are beloved. Tell yourself, I am beloved by God over and over again. And that will begin a transformation on how you handle temptation. Believe these words of truth and you will go a long way to defeating temptation. Well, our second line of defense is to be humble. Be humble. In Psalm 25, we just heard read, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. In order to conquer temptation, we need to be humble, to recognize that first of all, we're prone to wander as the great hymn says. And secondly, we need God's help if we're going to say no. The problem is that both of these things fly in the face of the culture that we live in, which tells us that actually we're basically good people. I'm okay, I'm a good person. And that we need to stand on our own two feet and just get things done in our own strength. But friends, we are not good. This is not who we really are. At least not when we try and measure up to the correct standard, which is Jesus Christ. None of us is good compared to him. And so we need to learn from him. We need his instruction on how to be righteous, we need to surrender our pride. As Stephen Covey once said, a humble person is more concerned about what is right than about being right. But as well as a willingness to be taught by God, we need his power. And the good news is that God says, call on me in times of trouble, I will rescue you and you will honor me. Psalm 50 verse 15. The Bible guarantees that our cry for help will be heard because Jesus is sympathetic to our struggle. He faced the same temptations we do. He understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same temptations we do yet did not sin. Hebrews 4 verse 15. So when temptation comes your way, Don't wait. Swallow your pride and shoot up a quick prayer to him. doesn't have to be fancy. Lord, I need you. Help, SOS, Mayday, whatever it might be. Ask him for power to do the right thing and then expect him to provide it. So we need to be beloved. We need to be humble. And then the third way to defeat temptation is to be honest. We're going to overcome, t- uh, overcome temptation. We need to be honest with ourselves. In our lesson from James chapter 1, verse 13, we read this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. The stories told of a man who was overweight and he decided he needed to shed some excess pounds. And he was really diligent and he stuck to his diet strictly and this really impressed his work colleagues as they saw the pounds gradually just shed from him. One thing that he told him that he had decided to do that was helping was to take a new route to work each day so that he wouldn't drive by his favorite bakery and be tempted to stop in. However, one day he came into work with this big, delicious, coffee cake and his workers started to scorn him but getting defensive he said that he could explain you see I accidentally drove past my favorite bakery today and I saw all these delicious coffee cakes out on the display case so I prayed I prayed to God and I said if you really think I should have this delicious coffee cake have an open parking spot right in front of the bakery for me and soon enough On my 10th time around, there was an open spot. It's easy to play the blame game when we give in to temptation. As a parent, I see it in my kids all the time. He did this, she did that. It was their fault, blaming anyone but themselves. But then I realize I do it too. I blame anyone but myself when I mess up. Well, he cut me off. He cut me off or look at the way that she treated me or I'm a guy. How am I supposed to resist that? Or even blaming God. How could God put me in this situation? It's easy to do, right? But it's dishonest. The blame lies with only one person and that person is me. Right? It's me. I'm the one who gave him. I'm the one who forgot my identity as a dearly loved child. I'm the one who forgot uh, who I truly belong to. I'm the one who thought too highly of himself. I'm the one who was too proud to ask for help. And so I gave into my desires again. We need to stop playing the blame game, friends, and own up to our own shortcomings and repent. It's one of the best things we can do to resist temptation because once we do it, once we are honest about it, we can then begin to put into practice the fourth and final way of resisting temptation, which is to be ruthless. Be ruthless. We need to be ruthless in our resistance. Verses 14 through 16 of our reading from James. But each person is tempted when he is Lord and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. 2 Timothy 2.22 tells us to flee evil desires. And 1 Corinthians 6.18, to flee sexual immorality. There's no sense of hanging around just to see what happens, Maybe. Okay? No, when our spidey sense tingles, you know, when we have the, we know we've been honest with ourselves, like, the spidey sense is tingling, we know that we're facing a temptation we're likely to give in to, we need to get out or get away. Pastor Rick Warren also suggests refocusing. Since temptation always begins with a thought, the quickest way to neutralize it is to turn your attention to something else. Don't fight the thought, just change the channel of your mind and get interested in another idea. What are the desires that you struggle with? Be honest and make a plan for when temptation arises. I would suggest the three R's of resist, refocus, or just run. Resist, refocus, or run. Don't wait until you're faced with temptation to be figuring out what to do. And be ruthless in this. I'm reminded of former Vice President Mike Pence, who in his desire to remain above approach insists on never having a meeting alone with a woman apart from his wife. Or Billy Graham, who would never travel alone or stay in a hotel room alone, but always have a male friend travel with him. Or other pastors who told me of their 2 a.m. friends. Friends they can call when they're about to give in, even in the middle of the night. Or people who have an accountability partner or two who who'll ask them how they're doing with that particular temptation they know that they're vulnerable to. Or for me personally, I've set up accountability software on my computer and on my phone so I won't give in to the temptations the online world offers. And I don't know, friends, how any man in this room can survive temptations or these particular temptations without these particular precautions in this day and age. But whatever your struggles, have a game plan that's in motion even before temptation arises and have a backup plan for when it takes you by surprise. As Rick Warren says, sometimes this means being ready to physically leave a tempting situation. This is the one time it's okay to run away. Get up and turn off the television set. Walk away from the group that's gossiping. Leave the theater in the middle of the movie. Do whatever is necessary to turn your attention to something else. In other words, be ruthless. Be ruthless friends. Be ruthless. Don't be deceived into believing that you are not vulnerable. It'll never happen to me, you might say, but it can happen to anyone. Just this past week, Revelations came out about another prominent Christian leader failing in the area of sexual sin. I have a bunch of his books uh, in my office, on my bookshelf. He's a fantastic author, Ravi Zacharias, a brilliant, brilliant christian apologist for the gospel whose credibility is now gone it's gone what a waste what a tragedy friends when it comes to temptation you must be like jesus be loved be humble be honest and be ruthless if not you will be lost and so will any credible witness that you have in this world So as the Apostle James writes, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Will you always succeed? No, not on this side of eternity. But the good news of the cross is that there's forgiveness for anyone who repents and returns to the Lord. This is the good news of the kingdom that Jesus was ushering in immediately after he was baptized, after he'd gone through his temptations. He then starts to talk about this. And because of the, there is no sin that is too big to be forgiven, the Lord simply looks for a contrite heart, a heart that is remorseful and is seeking to change its ways. And because... Because he's the one who's come, who was tempted in every way, but did not give in, the good news is we know that the price for sin has been paid because he was the perfect sacrifice upon the cross. So this lent in this season of repentance and renewal, refocusing our lives on Jesus, if you're stuck stuck in a ruck or sorry, stuck in a rut with pornography or adultery or gossiping, or being passive-aggressive, or lying, or cheating, or gluttony, or theft, or laziness, or greed, the list goes on. Know that the Lord can give you the power to break free. He can give you a fresh start. And just like wiping your browser history clean, your past sins are gone, and you're set free to start over. But this time, as you do that, have a game plan for moving forward. Get ready. Don't just be reactive. Be proactive. Be loved. Know who you are and whose you are. Remind yourself of that each day. I am beloved by God be humble know that you are yes a sinner and that you need help in order to overcome sin and temptation don't try just to muscle this through in your own strength thirdly be honest don't play the blame game when you mess up turn to the lord repent and return to him and then fourthly be ruthless know your temptations where you will struggle actually think these things through and then make a plan for action when those temptations come your way please please if there's one thing you do share your struggles with someone else could be in your life group could be with a Christian friend that you trust someone who will ask you regularly how are you doing with that struggle you have friends in the power of the spirit and with the support of fellow believers we can defeat the temptations that come our way we can be a people who live holy lives But the good news as well is to remember is that God has grace to forgive us even when we mess up. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, come move in this room, come move in the hearts of each one of us and empower us to live holy lives. Lives that reflect who you truly are. Lives that help us to remain credible as we seek uh, seek to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you help us, Jesus? And would you bring forgiveness Um, where there has been sin and where people are feeling shame, would you release them now, Lord Jesus, and bring freedom and a fresh start, a new beginning, Lord God, choosing to follow you. And then help us to make a game plan, ready to move forwards. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.